0: Book of Joshua. We will be in uh, Joshua chapter five this morning. I want to uh, read these verses in Joshua chapter five this morning. Joshua chapter five, verse one, down through verse fifteen states this. As soon as all the king of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted. There was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at gibeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, they had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the the men of war who came out of Egypt, until they perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they uh, were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, verse 8, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet. For the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning. God, we ask that you would meet with us. Father, I know that the majority of this passage, the verses that are there, they seem foreign to us, seem weird that you would spend a a number of verses commanding your children to circumcise their sons, to circumcise the the men who are under your covenant. Father, would you uh, speak this morning? Would you speak this morning along the topic of of worship? That's what we're here to do, to worship you. Father, that's my desire, is that not only I would worship, not only my family would worship, but Father, my church family would worship you this morning. God, we would come to you on the terms that that you declare, for you are sovereign, you are Lord, you are God, and we come this morning desiring to hear from you, desiring to lift praises to your name, for you are worthy. So, Father, for the next few moments, would you allow us to understand this passage? Would you allow us to to grasp? And Father, would you draw us closer to you? And speak to each and every individual that is hearing this to bring glory to your name. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. What's the first thing that you do? When you go to a new place, whether it's with a group or it's you as an individual, what's the first thing that you do? A couple of things that we do, that, that I do, and that, um, let me tell you the story and then I'll, my first ministry position, uh, they were crazy to hire me, but it was my home church and they thought, you know what, if nobody else is going to love on him, we'll love on him and we'll see if God's going to use him, and so I was the minister to kids at first baptist houston and it was for the whole summer and every monday we had madcap mondays and i don't know who in the world came up with this but they decided that we would go different places i was not in charge but we would go different places some of you might have heard this story but we would go different places from to the lake we would have a, a bike ride for about a few five miles one day we'd have a movie day we would go to Waterland USA in Jackson, Mississippi. And so we loaded three vans up, and here is what we did. It was a brand new place. Half the kids had never been there. They were first grade through fifth grade, first grade through sixth grade. They were away from their mom, and here's what we did. We got in that parking lot. I had everybody together, and I said this, you have to have... At least a group of three. Everywhere you go, there's got to be at least three of you. You cannot leave these gates. Once we go in, do not get out. And at four o'clock, we're leaving. I told the three van drivers, myself and the other two, I said, you counted who you had in your van. You remember who they are. Yes, I do. So we went for a full day. At 4 o'clock, the whole group was right there. They were there, and I said, van drivers, count. We got ours. Okay. So everybody got in their van, and we set out. We got on the Natchez Trace. The Natchez Trace, away from Jackson, there's really not a lot of places to turn around. We went around Ross Barnett Reservoir, and the second van decided to pass me. And you just don't pass. You do not do that. But they did and they were. everybody in the van was going like this. And so we all pulled over and they said, do you have Adam? I was like, no. I'm not supposed to have Adam. Adam's supposed to be in your van. He said, no, he's not in my van. So we flagged down the third van. Do you have Adam? No. Adam was a second grader. Adam was the son of the football coach. Adam was not in our van. Adam was at Waterland. (laughs) And Adam had taken the $4.75 that he had to his name and made quarters out of it and put it all in the payphone and said, Mama, I am at Waterland and they have left me. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Thanks, Adam. (laughs) I took everybody that I could and made 15 passengers in those two vans and said y'all go and I'll go back and I'll get Adam and I did I went back and I got Adam and Adam was just sitting there and he had a smile on his face which I was thankful for and I said Adam what happened he said I was over there doing this or that what what do you do when you go to a new place When we go to, whether it's my mom and dad's house or Paige's parents' house or we go on vacation and we get to the hotel, we have the talk. You know, It's either the talk when you're pulling in the driveway. Hey, you're not going to be crazy today. You're not just going to go wild today. You've got to understand. We have the talk. And it goes something like this. Hey, you've got a bag? So when we stop, Get your bag and let's go inside. And I know that the talk didn't mean anything because as soon as we get there, and I've got all the bags. The children of Israel find themselves in a new place. And as they find themselves in this new place, God has this talk with them and he He declares to them through Joshua their leader, He says, all right, here's what you need to do. Here's what I've done. I've opened the Jordan River and you have walked across on dry land and we understand that, we see that, we we participated in that. Y'all saw last week as I was gone, y'all saw that there were 12 men, one from each tribe that went back into the Jordan, picked up a stone of remembrance and brought it out and sat it there and made a monument so that that generation as well as future generations could look at it and when the kids say daddy why is that there mama why is that there what are those 12 stones that are just piled up in a pile why are they there it is to remind them and to remind you of what I did rolling back the waters to allow you to walk across on dry land to bring you into this land this inheritance that I'm giving you this promised land Israel and then we get to chapter 5 in chapter 5 as I was reading it the past few weeks it didn't come at first but my mind turned to a, a this passage and it turned to a segment in this passage that speaks of worship and there's really three points about worship. As they entered the land, upon their entrance of the land, they worshiped. Look with me in these points and in this passage. The first is this, that worship is action. You are here this morning to worship. You stood, now you're sitting and to some of us and possibly for most of us in this room, your thought is that we were the ones up here worshiping and you were the audience. You are not an audience. Church congregations are not audiences church congregations are participants in worship and there is not an audience on this stage there's not an audience in those seats there is one who is the audience and his name is God and he is the audience of one and every single one of us are singing every single one of us are participating in worship when we're here or when we are walking individually in our lives every single day, it is to Him that we worship, and He is that audience. It is action. And God calls His people to action. He calls His people in Joshua chapter 5 to action on a couple of different levels. The first is circumcision, and then you see the word or the act of Passover. So let's talk about these. Worship is action. Israel was not the only culture. It was not the only nation that in that day believed in circumcision. There were other nations close by. There were other nations scattered abroad outside of Canaan that believed in circumcision. What is circumcision? It was the covenantal sign that God made with Israel and it was a physical act on a male body that they were supposed to perform on a certain day when the baby boy, after he had been born. And we read this passage, and it says that there was a whole generation, while they were in Egypt, it happened, but while they were wandering in the wilderness, those 40 years when every boy that was born, they did not go through this act of circumcision. You're like circumcision. When God called Abraham, when his name was Abram in Genesis chapter 12, and he called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and he was an old man, and he said, Abram, I am going to make a covenant with you. And I'm going to make a covenant with every descendant after you. And I will bless you. And your whole descendants will be blessed. And they will be blessed through all the earth. And everybody that blesses them, I will bless. And everybody that curses them, I will curse. But I'm going to be with them. And here's the sign that I have for you, Abram. You will circumcise every male child. And it was a physical act. You can look in Genesis chapter 34 and you can see this physical act. You can look in Genesis chapter 17, you can see this act. You can look here and it is a physical act. It was a knife that was to cut the male to show that. But there was a spiritual act that was even more. And that is what you and I need to get to and that is what Paul gets to in the book Of Romans, but there is a action that takes place. You know what's weird to me about this? One, I'm preaching about it, but two, what's what's weird to me about this is this: Why did God let them cross the river and then say, "Hey, this is what you got to do"? Why not prepare on the other side of the river and everybody go through this act and everybody heal because it's going to take some time for this act to take place and it's going to take some time for the body to heal and then let's go across and let's go to Jericho and see the walls fall down. But that's not how God did it. He said, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to cross over on dry land you remember that when you crossed over on dry land, before you crossed over, that the banks of the river were overflowing because it's harvest time. And they were overflowing, and there's no way that you would be able to cross it because of the speed and the amount that were going down, that was going down through that river. And so he puts them on the other side of this barrier. There's nowhere for them to run. They've got to trust him. Have you ever found yourself and God says to you and says to me, Hey, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. If you want to get through this, you got to trust me. They cross over. Circumcision comes about. It is a physical act, but even more than that, it is a spiritual act. The physical act is a representation of. That which is spiritual. The spiritual act is the cutting away of layers of your heart. So that your heart might be tender. So that one might hear. So that one might follow God. The descendants of Abraham who are received by God. Are those who spiritually humble themselves before him. And have their hearts prepared to hear. So that they might follow God. The God of the universe. And they might follow all that he says. Can you hear him? It might be that you have spiritually hardened your heart. It might be that you have calloused your heart in such a way that you cannot hear him. And he says to you and he says to me. Why don't you come back? And the act of coming back is. Spiritually humbling ourselves. Consecrating ourselves. And even allowing him to circumcise our hearts that we might hear. The tenth day of the month, they circumcised every male. It was an act of worship. But that's not the only act of worship. The other act of worship was that of Passover. On the 14th day of this month, they've got there across the river, and for four days they are there, and on the 14th day they partook of Passover. What is Passover? It was a reminder of just what happened one generation prior, when their moms and their dads were slaves in Egypt, and God said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to save you. I'm going to get you out of slavery. I'm going to get you out of Egypt, and I'm going to take you to this land that flows with milk and honey, to this land that is good, to this land that I promised your father Abraham. I'm going to take you there, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to kill a lamb, and I want you to put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost on both sides and over the top of the door, and the death angel will pass over Those homes, and every home that does not have blood on its doorpost, the death angel will go in and will kill the firstborn of that family. So they did it. And God brought them out of Egypt. And every year they were to remember that act. And every year they were supposed to partake of Passover as they remember that. And this is the first time since... That happened some 40 years previous that they partook of Passover. It was an act of worship. They had the monument of remembrance. They had circumcision. They had Passover. And you and I today, we just saw, we just saw a moment ago, a remembrance of a picture of what took place on the cross that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried in the tomb, and that he was raised to life. And it is a picture of that. It's a picture of what happened in Morgan's life, of what happened in Grinning's life, of what happened in Johnny's life, of what happened in all of our lives, that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We died to that, and we accepted Christ, and he raised us to walk in newness of life. It's a picture, a remembering of what has happened in us. Very similar to these acts of worship. Worship as action is also a reflex on previous acts. And that's where we are right now. We're remembering. They were remembering. You and I are to remember. And as you and I read Passages of scripture like this, as we hear sermons on passages of scripture like this, it is to bring a remembrance up in our minds of things that have happened to us, around us, and through us. (laughs) I love this microphone this morning. (laughs) That's all right. Final point this morning is this. You and I need to be reminded, just like Joshua was that day. Worship is to remain all about Jesus. If you're a man here today, and I read those verses, I just think of Gladiator. That is the picture that I think of, and that is my favorite movie. And maybe that's why I think about it. But here is this man. Joshua was found himself by Jericho. He found himself the the 14th, the 15th of the month. They had finished circumcision. They had finished Passover. And now he is there early one morning. He is there looking at Jericho. And there's a man. And Joshua was a warrior. And he doesn't he doesn't hold anything back. He says, All right, are you for us or are you for them? Are you with us? You're on our team or are you on their team? It's kind of like last night. Everybody was divided. You were either for LSU or you were for Mississippi State. Yeah, you were either for Alabama or you were for. For Florida. You know, around Thanksgiving, you're either for Mississippi State or you're for Ole Miss. Even on my belt today, my team, they, they got slaughtered yesterday. They got slaughtered 70 to 31. But you're either for North Carolina or you're for Duke. You, you can't be for both of them. You can't be for Auburn or, and Alabama. You're, are you on our team, Joshua asks, or are you on theirs? Whose team are you on? And this man, he doesn't answer the question. He says, no. (laughs) No. No, you might not have heard me. Are you for us or against No. What would your response be? You heard that. Worship remains all about Jesus. No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And now I have come. When Joshua heard those words, he no longer had his hand on his sword. He bowed his knees and he worshipped. Many people ask, who was this? Who was this angel of the Lord? Who was this... Commander was this Michael was this the Archangel? was this the angel of death? was this Jesus? and I believe that it was Jesus, and I believe that there's a number of reasons why, if you were to look at the whole of the Old Testament, you would see a number of times that there were angels that came and met with man and, and depending on the angel, depending on the situation or the circumstance, different things came about from it, but There is not one place in the Old Testament where what is called a theophany, which is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ coming and showing himself as a physical man. There's not one place in the Old Testament that an angel outside of Christ allows somebody to bow down and worship. Every time that somebody bows down and they worship, it is... Christ he doesn't pick a side this angel doesn't this commander doesn't he is just and Christ is just he calls Joshua to take his sandals off because the ground is holy and there's no one holy except for Christ he allows Joshua to worship him and angels will not Old Testament or New Testament if they're angels they will not allow an individual to worship them But he does. He's the commander of the Lord's army. If you read Isaiah chapter 55, if you read Revelation chapter 1, if you read Revelation chapter 13, you will see that is descriptions of who Christ is, commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua bowed down and he worshiped. All of these are only permitted to be done to God, to Christ slogan on your side. You and I see it from a insurance company that states it. Hey, Nationwide, we're on your side. They didn't pay me for that. Okay, they didn't. It's good. It's a good insurance company. Um, we have a, uh, an agent back there. <laughs> the last time that I said something about insurance, I didn't bring him in, so uh, he... it's a good insurance company. And here's their their motto or their slogan. We're on your side. What does that mean? What was Joshua asking? He said, are you with us? Are you going to help us defeat those folks? Or are you somebody that I've got to go through as I defeat those folks? That insurance company says, you know what? There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some accidents. There's going to be some emergencies. And we're right there with you as you go through it. And that's what Joshua wanted to know. Do I have a teammate? Or do I have somebody, an adversary that i got to take out? And Jesus said, no. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I am truth. And I am just. And you need to understand that, Joshua. And when Joshua heard those words that he was the commander of the Lord's army, he bowed down that statement is a definitive statement no in that statement he states i am holy i am truth i am just and i wield this sword it's already drawn i wield this sword to bring justice Jesus meeting with Joshua here in these verses is not a moment of play. It is a moment of serious conversation and confrontation. You know what? It's a moment that you need to have individually. Because Jesus stands before you just as he did Joshua, he stands before me just as he did Joshua. And you might say, hey, are you on my side or not? And his answer is the same. It's not about your side, sir. It's not about your side, ma'am. It's about who I am. And if you're going to come to me, you've got to come on my terms. Because I wield a sword, and it is there for Two purposes, one of two purposes, either to cut out the junk and the sin and the mess that's in your life, to bring healing, or I wield the sword, Jesus says, to bring judgment. And you decide. For one day, every knee will bow. For one day, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The question is, where will you do that? Will you bow the knee here while you're breathing, while you have time, or will you bow the knee there? If you bow the knee here, like Johnny, like Grinning, like Morgan, like others, like myself, if you bow the knee here, you will spend eternity with him. Forever and ever and ever in heaven. If you bow the knee there. He will depart. He will state to you. Depart from me. I never knew you. And you will spend eternity. Away from him. In judgment. In hell. I don't say those words to. Scare you. I don't say those words to manipulate you. I say those words. Because they are truth. Sir, you will bow the knee. Ma'am, you will bow the knee. Just a matter of where. Jesus Christ loved you so very much that He came and He took your place on a cross. He paid for something that He never did. He paid for something that you totally did. But He didn't stay dead. Three days later, He rose from the dead. He rose out of the grave, and He lives forevermore. And He desires for you, and He desires for me to come. Heavenly Father, worship is what You desire from Your creation. Father, You desire for every single one of us to worship You. Father, You ask us, You you demonstrate to us time and again who You are and what You have done through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Example after example from Your Word tells us how much You love us. God, we sang of it a moment ago. We sang of it at the cross. That's where we bow our knee. Father, would we be reminded of that action that you did for us and the action that you desire for us to do back this morning? Father, there are those that are here today, gathering of this size. There are those that don't know you. Father, would you show them how much you love them and what your desire is for them, that they would come to you, they would come to know you as Savior and Lord, and that would be their confession as well. Father, that you would change us from the inside out. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you'd like to know him, let me introduce him to you. We've got a time of invitation. a Time for you to respond to to God. Whether you know Him or you don't know Him, He's drawing you to Himself. He desires for you to know Him, He desires for you to love Him because you want to. The altar is always open if you would like to come and pray. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to. Father, would you draw us this morning? Father, we're hurting. There there are those in here that are are hurting. It's like we've been hit in the gut. Things that are going on in our lives. Father, there are those of us that we remember those moments and those times because it wasn't too long ago that that was happening. Father, would we run to you this morning? I ask it in Christ's name.